Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by staff writer Elena Briss. She joins the show to discuss her latest environmental and water reporting. Welcome to the show, Elena. How are you doing today? Hi. Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, well, let's talk about a couple of your articles that, that you've had in the past two weeks, I believe. The first one I want to talk about is about the mussels returning after a hundred year absence. You want to give me just a quick little rundown on that one? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the San Antonio River Authority has been doing work with mussels for quite some time. And what they're trying to do is eventually reintroduce certain mussel species back into the San Antonio River. Um, There haven't been mussels in the San Antonio River for a very long time. Uh, I think since the 1930s when um, there was a lot of flooding in San Antonio and they sort of um, created the river to what it is right now. And and that really helped everybody um, from getting their properties flooded, but it also really kind of screwed up the ecosystem and and it really got rid of the mussels that were in the river. So now they're trying to bring them back and um, that's the the, hun- the hundred year the hundred year gap. So uh, I went out with one of their researchers, and uh, he showed me some of the work that they were doing on the river. So, so why are mussels so important to the to the ecosystem? That's a really good question. So they make the habitats stronger, um, and part of the reason for that is that they help the food chain. So there's like these little bugs. Um, at the bottom of the river and fish eat those little bugs and then, you know, larger fish eat those fish and, you know, the food chain. Uh, so um, the mussels stabilize the sediment at the bottom of the river so that those little bugs can keep on living. So if the mussels weren't there, then there's not going to be as many of those little bugs. And so that can kind of be a detriment to uh, the entire uh, food chain ecosystem. Another really interesting thing about mussels that I had no idea about was that they're indicator species. And so indicator species, it's a type of species that's in an ecosystem. And usually when you realize that there is something going wrong with them, there's something going wrong with the environment. Um, And it's usually like the first sign-ish. So if you let's say there's a section of the San Antonio river and there's mussels in it. And suddenly there's less mussels in it or the mussels that you're seeing are sicker. They're not reproducing. They're not as, as heavy. They've got a lot, they've got this girth to them. uh, So they don't look very good. You're going to think, okay, there's probably something wrong with this section of the river. uh, And we need to find out what it is because we're noticing that these mussels are not doing very well. So that's another really important aspect of having mussels in in the river. Um, 
And then I think like generally um, muscles are just a part of the entire ecosystem. So if you've removed muscles from an ecosystem, there's going to be impacts to that, even if it's not something that you notice specifically. When you like remove an aspect of that, that's going to change other parts of it. So um, I think when people think of like, oh, what's going to happen if we don't have this creature, we don't have this fish, or we don't have this animal, there's going to be this economic impact. But that's not always the case. And so it really kind of is like, what is your ecosystem worth to you? And do you want it to be the healthiest it can be, um, even if it's not necessarily a direct impact to you? Because you you want the the land that's around uh, San Antonio to be doing well. Uh, so... Yeah, I think that's another part of it. Well, thank you for that. Um, and speaking of species that are beneficial to the environment, you wrote another uh, piece about an invasive species. Can you talk a little bit a little bit about that? Yes, I can. So, I went through the Edwards Aquifer Authority. So they're an organization that um, pretty much does everything with the Edwards Aquifer, which. I'm sure most people know at the Edwards Aquifer, we get a large chunk of our water from the Edwards Aquifer in San Antonio. Um, but another aspect of what they do is they look at invasive species. Uh, and so invasive species are creatures or plants that are in an area that kind of overpopulate it. So uh, a regular native ecosystem, everything is kind of working all together. Uh, but when you bring in something that's foreign uh, into that ecosystem, they might be able to thrive more in that ecosystem than what, where they were from. So they could take over and they could um, really damage the other plants and wildlife that are in that area. So what they're trying to do is they're going into areas. And, and specifically for my story, I looked at San Marcos. Um, they're going into San Marcos natural areas and they're trying to cut down and remove invasive species that have been there for a long time. Uh, but what the interesting part of it is, is that there are certain invasive plants that you can buy in San Antonio or in surrounding areas at big box stores like Walmart or Lowe's or something. Uh, and you can put them into their, into your yard, but you might not know that they're invasive. And well, you're thinking, okay, well, they're just in my yard. So they're not going to infect like other natural areas, but uh, certain invasive plants and most invasive plants, the reason that they're invasive is they're so good at staying alive and they're so good at populating. So their seeds will blow all over the place. They'll blow into natural areas. Birds will pick up the seeds and they'll poop the seeds over into natural areas. Uh, and suddenly this invasive species that you bought at a Walmart is like totally taken over a natural area that's like four miles away from you. So uh, I think part of the work that they're doing uh, at the San or at the Edwards Aquifer is that they're saying, okay, we're removing these species, these invasive species that are harmful to the environment. But also there's something that you personally can do, which is try to just incorporate native species into your garden, into your property. Uh, so then you can, you can uh, keep the entire uh, area that you live in safe um, 
And there's a lot of, there's a lot of species uh, that you can definitely just replace. So the one that I focused on was the purple trailing lantana, which is from South America originally. When it gets into forested areas, it, it can kind of stop the growth of trees and other plants because it's this like low to the ground plant. Uh, and lots of people plant it in their yard because it's so pretty. It's got this beautiful, like purple, um, flowering and, uh, and, but you can replace it with other plants. There's the Texas lantana, which might have yellow, uh, flowering instead, but, uh, it's much better for the environment. It doesn't overrun other plants. And, um, if you're looking for that low to the ground kind of plant, then that's a good way to go. This wasn't in your article or maybe it wasn't, I just missed it, but is mm -hmm. this something that can be like, why is it still being sold in stores? If it's so maybe if it, if it takes over like that? Well, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I think that large box stores, those big ones that you go to like Lowe's, first up, they might not necessarily know or they might not care uh, because they're really popular plants and they've sold them all the time and people buy them and they look really good in yards. They tell people, oh, well, you know, this will attract monarch butterflies uh, other butterflies, other plants, things like that, and uh, people will buy them. So I think that's it's like an it's an educational thing as well. It's like making sure people just know that this is the case because not everybody knows, um, and they'll just go to these stores that will sell these plants no matter what, um, and and plant them in their yards. And from invasive plants and ecosystems. Uh, the last article I want to talk to you about was about preservation, the, the preservation of uh, Honey Creek Ranch. Uh, yeah. Want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. Yeah. So this is a really complex issue um, that I kind of just got into because um, I started I started this position not that long ago. Um, so Honey Creek Ranch is this area that's about. I want to say 30 miles north of San Antonio and it's upriver, which is actually south of Honey Creek State Natural Area and the Guadalupe, Guadalupe State Park. Um, and that's all in, uh, Como County. And, uh, this ranch has been owned by these, these owners for a long time since I think the nineties. They've taken really good care of the property, um, which you don't always see when people own a natural area like that. Um, and more recently they decided that they wanted to sell the property and make a, um, a high density subdivision in that area instead, which when that happened, there was sort of this outcry from the conservation and environment community because Honey Creek is one of the last remaining pr very pristine waterways in South Central Texas. And subdivisions are notorious for, you know, depositing runoff that could have pollution that could get into this like really pristine water. And since it's upriver, all of that will flow through uh, Honey Creek State Natural Area and the Guadalupe State Park, and it'll go into the Guadalupe River. Uh, so everyone was really concerned about that. And it just seemed like it could be hazardous for the environment. So there was a lot of conversations and discussions about that. But just 
very recently, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, with the help of the Nature Conservancy, they're trying to purchase the land from the owners instead of the owner making it into a high-density subdivision uh, and and making it into into a park, which would be so much, uh, at least for conservations, conservationists and environmentalists, and even the owners themselves who, who really just want what's best for the land, they, they think that sounds like a really great idea. Uh, there's a lot of caveats to, to this acquisition. Um, and it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing issue. Even this week, it's an ongoing issue because the owners who are originally going to make it into a development, you know, they already have some contracts in place for like, water and, and things like that. So, um, it's ongoing. Uh, I know that people who are proponents of the, of the, um, park and the acquisition, um, from the Texas, uh, wildlife and, um, sorry, the Texas parks and wildlife department, um, they're all really hopeful that it's going to go through, but we're probably not going to know for sure for the next couple of weeks, but, uh, yeah, it's it's just been really contentious for a long time, and people are just hoping that it doesn't it doesn't become this this subdivision. So yeah. And you mentioned right when you started talking about this one that you haven't been with the the Express News that long. You you're actually part of Report for America, like another one of our colleagues, Brandon Lingle was. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about uh, what brought you to the Express News and 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 a little bit of your background, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from the Midwest. I am from Iowa, but I've lived in Chicago for the past five-ish years. And um, I was doing environmental reporting there, focused on the Great Lakes and more um, lake kind of issues, Midwestern issues were really different than Texas. Um, And I was doing that for a while and then I am a huge fan of Report for America's mission, which is to place journalists in areas where they need uh, coverage of a certain sort. And um, so I, I, I got the position for, for San Antonio. They were looking for somebody to cover environmental issues and specifically issues that are over the Edwards Aquifer. And it sounded really, it sounded really great. And um it's just such a different environment than what I'm used to, which is, you know, the Great Lakes, which is a totally different ecosystem. Uh, and then coming down here to Texas where it's, uh, it's just the environmental issues are, are very different. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the trajectory there. And I've, I've been liking a lot so far and learning so much about, you know, uh, Texas environmental politics and regulations and um, the the ongoing everyday fights that people are having to protect their environment, uh, yeah. So that's that's the that's the story. <laughs> well, it's good to have you on board. Um, this was this was fascinating. I can't wait to do this again. Uh, thanks a lot for being on the show, Elena. Yeah, of course. 